Uh, as we think about biblical priorities, you know, when you think of, of the need for priorities, that implies in it the fact that we can't do everything, right? If, if you didn't have to have, you didn't have, you wouldn't have to have priorities if you could do everything that was out there to do. But the fact that we can't do everything means that we have to make choices about what we choose to do. And that's what we want to think about tonight, kind of laying a foundation for some more specifics that we will cover in the coming weeks, is that God has designed us with a limited opportunity to use the time that he has entrusted to us. We said back in September that, that the overall direction of our life, what God has made us to do, is to love him first and foremost, and then to love others, to serve uh, them, to not sin against them, obviously, but to give our lives for the good of others. And we ought to desire to do those things as faithfully as we can with the opportunities that God has given us. Ephesians chapter 5, picking up in verse 15, puts it this way for us. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Now, when we, when we see that idea of walking in the Bible, it's not the instruction that you give to your two-year-old, be careful how you walk so that you don't fall and hit your head on the corner of the table. It's, it's the walk as in the pattern of life that we live. So be careful how you live out the pattern of your life, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says, you've you got to be careful how you live. You've you got to be careful the pattern of life that you live, not as a, a foolish one, just spending it however, but as one who is wise, making the most of your time, because so much around you, the days and the culture and the world around you, are going to pull you in different directions that are evil, Instead, we have to understand what's God's will for us as we strive to use our time well. Now, making the most of our time doesn't mean that we frantically run from one thing to the next and see how busy we can be all the time. Some of you maybe feel that way. You know, at, at home, it's like I'm just running from one fire to the next, one screaming child to the next, or one, one uh, uh, kind of catastrophe to the next. It doesn't mean that we are frantic or that we are simply trying to maximize productivity in our life. There's some who live life more that way. But it means we want to be faithful stewards of the opportunities the Lord has given us to honor Him. And, and so tonight I want us to think about some key principles about our time and about the uses of our time. And then, as I mentioned, in the coming weeks we'll focus on fleshing out some of the specifics of that. But the first thing I want us to think about is that you have been entrusted with a limited amount of time. When, when Paul here writes and says, we are to be making the most of your time, he, he uses a word for time that doesn't just mean clock time, like make the most of the 10 minutes that you have right now. It's a, it's a word for time that means kind of the, the season or the, the opportunity that we have. It's used with the idea of we have a limited uh, amount, a limited, the limited nature of the time that we have been given. Kevin DeYoung said this way, he said, time may be our scarcest and most precious resource. 
You think of it, most other things, you can figure out a way to get more of it, but time is limited. You know, God has ordained the number of our days. Job 14.5 says, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you and his limits you have set that he cannot pass. Or Psalm 139.16, the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. God knows how many days you get and God has created the world such that the length of your days is the same day after day. 24 hours in the day, 168 hours a week, 8,760 a year. That's it. You get an extra hour, sort of, here in a weekend or two. Uh, But that's all we have, and that's all any of us have. We have a limited amount of time, and God has entrusted that to us. It's something that he has given us to use in a way that would please him. It's not our time to do with whatever we desire. It's the time God's given us to use as he instructs us. And that limited amount of time does mean you can't do everything. Some of us are very tempted to think any good thing, we need to do it, (laughs) or we need to be involved with it. You know, anytime somebody announces something that's going on at the church, there are those of you who feel this compulsion to be involved with it. And that's not a bad thing to want to be connected. But when when we feel this weight of, I've got to do every good thing, we're we're forgetting that God made us finite and, and limited. You can't do everything, and you can't even do everything that's good. We all face that reality. There are good things we cannot do. We don't have enough time. And so we can't continually strive to do more of everything that's good. One, uh, uh, Kevin DeYoung again said, many Christians live with a low-level guilt that comes from not doing enough. Some of us feel that, where it's like, even if we're doing what we ought to be doing, we feel like we could always do something more. You know, there's that reality that, that we all feel like we should be doing more. And it's possible that we should. It's also just possible that we feel a weight of expectation that is unrealistic for us because we don't recognize that God has made us as finite, limited beings. You know, by creating you and life in this manner and me in this manner, God doesn't expect us to do everything. And, and we can either live frustrated because we feel like we don't have enough time, or we can embrace the fact that God has ordained the amount of time that we have and seek wisdom from his word in the use of that time. That's my hope in talking about priorities is not that you just feel frustrated like, oh, there's no way I can do all this stuff. My hope is that we are relieved to say God has given us enough time. He's given us enough time to do the things that he asks us to do. That doesn't mean there's not seasons of busyness. That doesn't mean that we won't be tired. But it means that it's a relief to us to say God has only given me so much time. He only expects so much of me. And I want to seek wisdom to be able to do what he's given me to do. You know, this is what you see in Jesus. Jesus didn't do everything, and he was okay with that. Um, We'll look at a a text in a bit of of Christ being willing to walk away from good things and to say, no, we're not going to do that, Um, because he understood there was a, a finiteness to what he could accomplish. 
So God doesn't expect you to do everything because he's given you a limited amount of time, but he does expect you to care about his priorities and to be careful how you use the limited time and opportunities he has given you, which brings us to the second principle that I want us to think about, which is you are responsible to be a good steward of your limited time. He says, making the most of or redeeming the time. We are to be maximizing, to be buying back, to be faithfully stewarding what God has entrusted to us. You know, I like that, that idea of a steward being found faithful with what we've been entrusted to. You guys um, have, uh, have young children. Some of you may have family in the area. And so in, when you are looking for somebody to watch your kids, you take them to family. Some of you don't have family in the area. And so you may think about who is somebody that I would trust to care for my children, my child. Who, who is somebody who would be faithful to watch my child for me while I go out or, or to dog sit? What are we looking for in somebody like that? We're looking for somebody who's, who's faithful. Somebody who recognizes this is not my child. I can't do whatever I want with them. I'm living uh, in a way that is consistent with what mom or dad would expect. I'm going to follow through on their expectations, and I'm going to do so with care and with faithfulness. That's to be our attitude with our time. God has entrusted to us this resource, and it's not ours to use as we desire. It's ours to steward as one who has been given that. Again, if we think of being responsible, our temptation can sometimes be to just say, well, there's more we should be doing. And again, that doesn't necessarily, uh, that's not necessarily what Paul says. He doesn't just mean add more in. You always constantly need to be adding more in. No, that's not the pattern that we see. Turn to Mark 1 and, uh, and see an example from Christ who was obviously the perfect example of making the most of his time. As a man living on this earth, he faithfully fulfilled every expectation that God had for him. He redeemed every moment perfectly. And Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 35, early in Christ's ministry, it says, Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Uh, Jesus was busy. He was tired. He, he was using the days and the hours that God had given him. Uh, but verse 36, Simon and his companions searched for him and they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. Now, if you were starting a ministry and you were in a place where people were excited to see you, what would most people do? Well, they would say, sweet, <laughs> right? I mean, this is like, uh, I'm a ch- have a chance to build some popularity and some momentum here. Jesus said to them, verse 38, let us go somewhere else. Huh? We're going to walk away from this great opportunity. Why? So that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. See, Jesus had a clear sense of this is what I'm here for, and I'm not going to fill my time with other things that are even good. I'm going to devote myself to what I, uh, what I ought to be doing. See, we need to think not simply about what we could do, but about what we should do. What is it that God expects of us 
not simply what are the opportunities that are out there. And this is not easy because our flesh drives us to things that we don't need to do. And our world has expectations that are, uh, are warped for us and that drive us to things that we could do but don't necessarily need to or ought not to. Some of those may be expectations related to work or career advancement and, and uh, the things that you are expected to do or that you feel pressure to do in those environments. You know, it's, it's amazing the expectations now for parents and their kids and, and how busy life is expected to be with children. You know, even things like, uh, like, like sports. I was talking to uh, uh, somebody today and, uh, you know, just how, how their, their daughter who is young is playing soccer and, and the expectation after the end of this season was, hey, we're all going to play next season. And, and his question was, well, when's next season? And it's like, well, it's two weeks from now. And he's like, ah, there used to be like, like a soccer season. And then you stopped and you didn't do it. And then you picked it up later on. And that's, and it, that's just not how the, the, uh, the culture functions. The idea is we are crazy busy filling our time with all sorts of things. Again, that doesn't mean that we can't participate in, in some of those things. It's just that the expectation that we will feel as families to do all kinds of things is is pretty intense. And if we just get swept along with that expectation, we will miss probably many of the things that we should do because we're just doing things that are out there that we could do. Again, don't hear me saying that we can't participate in those kinds of things. You heard our family. We, we are entering basketball season. It's, it's a busier season of life for us, and we've chosen to do that, and I think we can honor the Lord through that, but we do want to be careful to steward our limited time well, and not simply for what we want. You, know, you can read a lot of secular books about being productive, and they're all about you know, making the most of our time and being disciplined, but the goal of those things is self the goal for us is glorifying the Lord and serving others. One officer said, stewarding my time is not about selfishly pursuing only the things I like to do. It's about effectively serving others in the ways I'm best able to serve and in the ways I'm most uniquely called to serve. See, that's, that's stewarding our time, not for our sake. How can I fit in everything I want? But how can we use our time to, to honor the Lord and to serve others? You know, choosing the right use of our time doesn't mean that we won't be busy, but it means we'll be busy about the things that are best. So what should we do? Thirdly, I want us to recognize that there are universal requirements for the use of some of your time. Again, back in Ephesians 5, there's a contrast between those who walk foolishly and those who walk in wisdom. And he says in verse 17, the key to walking carefully and making the most of your time is understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's not chiefly used as this hidden mystery secret for you and you alone. Like, is it God's will for my child to play on this particular team or not? There is a will of God that is sovereign, a will of decree over every detail of our life. But primarily the will of God is what he has revealed his will for us to to live and follow found in, in his word. 
And so there are things that God's word tells us, this is how you should use some of your time. We see that first in the commands that God has given us. We could list, and, and we'll think more about this in coming weeks, what are things God has clearly said we should use time for? Well, you might think of, of uh, the principle of, of the fourth command, time set aside for worship and for rest. Uh, not that the, the Sabbath is the same for us as believers as it was in the Old Testament, but the principle of time intentionally set aside to gather and worship and time intentionally set aside for rest those are things that are clear that we should be taking seriously about the use of some of our time. Hebrews 10 says, let us not forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. We, we see other commands to work. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat and, and commands to pray and commands for Bible intake. And, and again, we'll spend more time fleshing some of these things out. What are non-negotiables for the use of our time? Some of those relate to what God has commanded us. Some of those relate to how God designed us, the design of God. You and I were made to need things like eating. If you don't eat, if you say, well, I'm going to make better use of my time and I'm not going to eat, how's that going to work for you? Well, poorly, right? You, you will fade away into nothingness. Uh, now, we can sin in how we eat, but eating is a, a good thing that God has given us to do, and it's something that we ought to be doing. That reminds us of, of the need that we have for God's provision. It's a reminder that we can't continue on our own, that we're not omnipotent like God. It's an intentional thing that God has made. Similar is sleep. We tend to minimize the importance of sleep, but God made us to need to spend about a third of our lives sleeping. Have you ever thought about that? It's kind of weird. You know, it's like, why didn't God just make us with like, you know, 16-hour days and not have to sleep and we could just keep going? Well, well, God, in his wisdom, said, no, that's not how I'm going to make it. I'm not even going to make it to where you only need like a power nap, 15 minutes, and you wake up and it's like, good to go. No, he, he said, I'm going to make it to where you spend about a third of your life utterly unconscious. Why? Well, again, it, it reminds us we're frail. <laughs> reminds us we, we are dependent on a God who doesn't sleep. That when we can't do anything, when we're just lying there out cold, God is still active and God is still providing and God is still accomplishing his plans when we can't. And those are things God's made us that way. We can rebel against that. But God says, no, this is how I've designed you. And so there is a universal requirement for the use of some of your time. Now, some of us cheat that for a while. And you can get away with that for a while. You probably did that back in college and other times where it's like, you know, I, I'll just do that paper from 10 to 5 in the morning because the only thing I was going to do is sleep and who cares about that? And eventually that catches up to you, right? And, and it comes back with interest, one author says. You know, when you get sick or other things happen that take more of your time. And so we can, again, try not to do those things that God clearly says this is a part of our routine and it won't be fruitful for us. So we th see things from the commands of God, we see things from the design of God that are universal requirements for the use of our time, and then fourthly, we have to recognize that you have God-given roles which each come with their own biblical priorities. Paul goes right into some specific family roles after this. Understand what the will of the Lord is, 
And he gives some general commands that apply to all, and then he gets into wives. What does this look like for you? And husbands, what does this look like for you? And children, what does this look like for you? And and fathers, what does this look like for you? And slaves and masters, what does this look like for you? There are unique roles that each come with their own biblical priorities commanded for those who are in that role. Again, we saw this with Jesus. He was the Messiah. That was a specific role that he fulfilled. He had universal requirements for the use of his time that were true of everybody. Jesus ate and slept and he went to the synagogue and he did these things that everybody was expected to do. But he also had unique priorities that were true for the role that he had. I'm here to preach and so he made that a priority and focused time on that. For each of us, we have a variety of roles. We are a a follower of Christ that drives the the use of our time. We're a member of the body of Christ that affects the use of our time and priorities. We're a member of a family. You may be a a wife, a mother, a daughter, and a granddaughter, and all of those affect the use of your time. You may be a husband, a father, a son, a, a grandson, You may be an employee, a friend, a a neighbor, all of those things that, that drive us to specific priorities related to those roles. Obviously, not all those priorities carry equal importance. And part of what makes walking with wisdom a challenge is navigating how those things intersect and and tend to compete with one another. Certainly there's different seasons of life where different ones of those roles take precedence over others, but we have to be careful that that we understand those things that God expects of us and are working diligently to fulfill the things that God has given us in those roles. Again, if you're saying, I know that, and I want you to tell me what I should do in those roles, we will flesh that out more in the coming weeks as we consider some of those things together. Lastly, we need to recognize that there are many other things screaming for your time. Again, in Ephesians 5, he says, don't walk as unwise men, and the days are evil. There are things that are sinful and, and things that are wickedness that clamor for our time, and certainly we are to resist those things. But there are also other things that are just morally neutral that can consume so much of our time. You know, I don't know uh, um, about, um, about you guys, but I, I now carry a computer in my pocket. You know, when I was in college, it was a big deal to have, like, your own computer in your dorm room. That was a pretty special thing. Now I have a far more powerful computer with me all the time. And it follows me where I go because it's in my pocket. And I can spend tons of time doing stuff on that. And it can be a huge help. And it can help me to be making the most of the time. Or it can be a huge distraction keeping me from making the most of your time. You know, there can be good things that take time away from things that are, are better. Philippians 1, Paul prayed that you may approve the things that are excellent. You know, seeing what is best, not just what is good or acceptable. Oftentimes, it's just the immediate concerns that scream the loudest for us. You know, the things that are most pressing, the demand of a of a child or a project at work or something that breaks on the, at the house or, or something that comes up with a car or other things and we just run from one thing to the next and at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month we look back and say, man, 
How did that happen? Where did all the time go? What did all that get devoted to? Guys, we want to be careful. We want to be careful how we walk. We want to say, Lord, what is your will? Not in, again, that unique nuanced sense of trying to discern every little detail of life that God's providentially going to direct us to. But what is your will as revealed in Scripture that tells me as a believer generally what I ought to be pursuing and that tells me specifically in the various roles that I am in how should I be living? What should I be spending my time on? Because our time is a precious, precious resource. I mentioned that's what Christy and I were reflecting on as we were thinking about um, what we might share in, uh, in the group tonight. And it is a sobering thing to see how quickly that time passes and, and how easy it is to say, well, we'll start that tomorrow. Or, or we'll, you know, we'll get better at that next year. Or we'll, we'll focus on this later on. And, and to all of a sudden look back and say, wait a minute, the, the time that we have is, is gone. It's a fleeting, fleeting thing. And again, that, that shouldn't make us paranoid. It shouldn't make us frustrated to say, oh, if only we had more time. When we say that, what are we saying? We're saying, God, I don't trust you. You designed me and the world wrong. No, you didn't do that. And we don't need to think, I don't have enough time. We don't need to say it. No, I don't have enough time with my kids. No, you do. You have enough time with your kids. I have enough time with my kids. It's, it's how am I choosing to spend the time that God gave me? We need to retrain ourselves to not just say there's not enough time if only we had more time, but to say, how are we choosing to use the resource that God has given us to be faithful stewards of the time that he has entrusted us, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Not frantically running from one thing to the next, but living with the settled conviction of what God expects of us and being thankful for the wisdom that he gives in the use of our time. We're going to spend uh, a number of weeks digging into more of the, the scriptures teaching on, on these things, particularly what, what are those things that need to be priority focuses in our time. Some of them are clear and obvious uh, and yet difficult, um, but we'll talk more about those things and specifics. Um, but we want to be running to the scriptures to say, Lord, how do we use the time that you have given us. Let's pray and then we'll split to our groups and have a little time to discuss those things. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you have designed us just as you desire. You've designed us with just the right amount of time. In each day and in our life, you have designed us to need things like food and sleep to remind us that you alone are all-powerful and we are dependent on you. And Lord, you've given us various roles that we are, are thankful for and sometimes overwhelmed by, but we, we praise you for the privilege of, of serving in those ways and we ask for wisdom. Help us to desire to make the most of our time because we long to see you honored. We long to love you and love others and, and give us wisdom to walk not as unwise but as wise. 
And Lord, use our continued study this year to that end. Might we prioritize the things that you say matter in the midst of a world that says all kinds of other things matter. Might we trust you and live faithfully before you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.